For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 111 of The Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, uh, busy time of year. We got playoffs coming up here for the little guys. I know the uh, the older boys and girls were just wrapping up their seasons, but uh, what's happening? Uh, not too much. Uh, uh, season came to an end for Rye Guy and his group. They finished off the season strong. They'll play uh, St. Sebastian's, uh, a rival of theirs, and kind of took it to them and played with a lot of energy. Um, I think that final score was 6-1, but it was a good way to end. But they needed help to get into the playoffs. Mm. So it was kind of interesting because I figured they lost a lot of one-goal games and um, you know didn't really have a shot, but it's kind of neat that they do a peer-wise like they do in, in NCAA. Mm-hmm. So their strength of schedule was one of the toughest in, you know, um, in that league. So they, you know, right around 500 and had a chance if, you know, if they can't, if they lost on Saturday, they would have been in. They ended up scoring with like, you know, a minute left. No way. So I'm like, hey, you know what? Be in control of your own destiny, you know, and just win another game. But um, disappointing that they didn't get get to move on, but. They had a really good year and played well uh, throughout and was happy about uh, his season. And, you know, they had, you know, clean out the lockers and stuff on Monday and, uh, you know, exit interviews and on to baseball season for him. But I um, get the seeds going. Yeah. And then over the weekend, we run up to Waterville Valley for Brooks tournament. Oh, that's and a good take up there. It's really nice. I've never been and. Uh, cool little bar attached to the rink yeah the, the barn uh, like i'm like are they gonna turn the lights on it was like pretty dim but yeah. really cool like wood paneled um old school rink really nice ski town up there and um the girls had a ball uh, i made it up early saturday morning got up early to get up there for the eight o'clock game and they tied and then they needed to win so there'd be one one and one and brooke ended up scoring the game winner with 11 seconds left what so, yeah we pulled the goalie it was a six on three we, we just all, all you know put all the uh the plays in front she was just sniffing around the back door squirted out to her i didn't even know she scored until you know i saw her getting up off the bottom of the pile so it was really cute she must have been going bananas yeah it was it was a lot of fun for the the group then they tubed uh actually before tubing they no they tubed and then they went over to the rank so they needed help to get into the semis. Mm-hmm. So I, I I like how they situate this, um, you know, kind of like statistical stuff for the uh, tournament. It's not goals for, it's goals against. So a team can't run it up, right? You right. know, like uh, to get in. You know, yeah. so it's like just the a matter old, of playing the good old, uh, coach Coach Riley and the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, not so winning, winning if you can't win big. But the, this team needed to let up five goals, and that fifth goal went in, and all the girls had just cheering and dancing and so they were into the the semis we went and had a bite to eat and then they kind of threw up on themselves the next day but uh, <laughs> no but overall a lot a great experience uh you know team bonding great they did a good job at running it and uh they get states coming up so 
we got uh we got some some more important games to play oh that's awesome good stuff good stuff yeah that's a cool i I was up there three or four years ago and i had never been really cool atmosphere that old school barn the hotels and everything are right there like you said the tubing i think when i went up there it hadn't really it was a little earlier in the year so we didn't get to capitalize on the outdoor activities too much but the uh they get the restaurant that's attached to the to the rink with the you know the parents get all get all sauced up in there and 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 everything and what did, did my question is were any of the opposing that the teams playing in the game with when your girls were going nuts were you, they getting any any hairy eyeballs or anything uh you know the coaching staff uh, and i you know like we're we're more like security we're just like you know making yeah. sure that they had, they had their time to have uh some excitement but no it was good um uh, no, no nothing crazy so it was just more that's that's a perfect moment for a crazy hockey mama dad to be like why are these girls cheering against my girls and yeah but it's like dude they're 11 12 year old girls they're having fun no it was it was great and then we had a great time in the uh, hotel as well with the the parents and the coaching staff miss piggy uh was one of the best teammates little piggyback uh whiskey that uh (laughs) the assistant coach brought it was good keeps everybody warm yeah warm the warm the soul from the inside Uh, Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Same thing here. We actually were out at, uh, at, at Cushing and Brian's team had kind of a end of the year at the varsity B level. They had a wrap up tournament. They, you know, called, it's called the Bob Russ cup, who was a, uh, you know, legendary guy up at, at, at Cushing and pretty cool too. So they, it was Cushing, Salisbury, Winchenden and Avon old farms. Brian's team played, um, Salisbury on Friday night, really good game. They ended up winning that. So they ended up in the finals versus Avon. And Avon had some it, – it was a good hockey team. Like, they had some really good talent. I wonder if a handful of these kids watching them, like, just watch – they're good hockey players. And I'm like, I wonder if these kids are just, you know, kids and maybe hockey's like their second sport. Maybe they're lacrosse kids or soccer kids or something like that, and they just kind of play for fun. But they were good. Like, when I when I tell you, like – some talented hockey players that if they were probably a little bit more focused on it, they would be legit, but a lot of juniors, seniors, like upperclassmen kids. So the, the final game was, uh, like I said, Cushing versus Avon Cushing takes a couple penalties early and they scored at least two, maybe three shorthanded goals, mm. like crazy, like madness. That's, that's you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they might have had three. I think all five goals were scored while Avon was on a power play, right? So then, so Brian got the third goal. I was psyched for him. He like, you know, penalty kill, made a good forecheck, turned the puck over, had a nice shot on net. Third goal, they go up 3 nothing. The place is going bananas. It was really good atmosphere and crowd. But then, you know, end of the first period, you're like, oh, boy, like, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. They ended up getting two power play goals. Avon did. Cushing was in a little bit of penalty trouble. They came back. They won the game three to two. Uh, was oh, maybe they got an empty netter. I, I, no, I think it ended three to two. Uh, but great game, really fun. The kids were going bananas. It was a, it was a really really cool event, and for him to get the game winner too, it was uh, it, he was super excited going bananas. So it was uh, it was cool. And then we raced down. At a couple games leaving there, I went down to Bridgewater at a couple games, a couple games on Sunday up at um, up at Merrimack and everything. So it was, yeah, same thing, busy weekend. And now we're on to the playoffs for the uh, for my 09s and 2011s. I'll be spending my weekend between Tingsboro, Merrimack, and North Smithfield, Rhode Island. So can't wait. 
Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Yeah, six games and and you know about less than forty eight hours. So yeah, doesn't awesome. get old winning championships though, coaches. No, no. So that's the first round, kind of the round robin format. Uh, should be a lot of fun, but great time of year. Great time of year, right? Yeah, and you know these kids are. It's interesting because you know the say intensity rat- ratches it up, whether it be a, a tournament or. The playoffs, states for uh, Brookstein. So, you know, when that, when you see them play well with a little bit more jam, you know they have it in them. So it's mm-hmm. exciting time of year, like you said. Right. And there's one thing that you don't want to, you know, forget about doing is shopping on your skates before any of those games, right? So speaking of the playoffs, uh, like I said, you, you don't want to go in with, you know, buttery wheels heading into the to the playoff games this weekend. So make sure you head over to SparksHockey.com. Use the code BYMOTS for $50 off your Sparks shopping. Or Sparks is the at-home skate shopping machine that will never fail. Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. You never lose that edge. It's convenient, easy to use, and will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, get that accurate shopping every single time. Again, head to sparkshockey.com. Use that code BYMOTS for $50 off and order your machine today. Yeah, sparkshockey.com is where you can find it. And, I like, again, can't speak highly enough about it. It's did you accurate. take yours on the road or what? I did not, but oh, I will take it fumble. to Marlboro for the States. You know, yeah. I'll just have it right there in the locker room. I like oh. it. I like it. Yeah. Did you see that kid smashing the Coke at the Pet uh, Panthers game? <laughs> I did. Dude, that was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not the first time he's done it. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> oh, uh, that was pretty cool, though. I mean, I was dying laughing. I'm like, who is this kid? <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was yeah, shout out the to the Panthers kid chugging up Coke. Yeah, well, Coca-Cola, get it in you, kid. Get it in you, that's right. I'm sure his parents were psyched. <laughs> Blow it up on sugar. Uh, Mots, we were, we were joined by Glenn Heffer, Glenn Hefferin, right? Yeah. Am I saying that right? Um, who's been putting out a lot of, um, you know, a lot of content on Twitter, you know, regarding Division One commits, where they're coming from, where, what schools they're at, what, you know, whether they're playing – in the USHL and prep school, all that stuff. So we figured it would be a, a great time to have him on. Uh, we talked to him for about 15, 20 minutes, and, and, you know, I think it's time we send it over to Glenn. What do you say? Yeah, he was great, you know, with the data that he's gathered over the years and putting it into one place. Um, a lot of great content, a lot of great information for parents to look at, and uh, he had a lot of other good points too. So let's kick it over to Glenn. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> All right, Mots, and our next guest, we have the AAHA president, a USA Hockey Congress member, and a hockey dad. Uh, he's, you know, hit the Twitter world, publishing reports of where kids are playing Division One hockey, when they're committed, and all that stuff, uh, which has been very insightful. So we wanted to have him on. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Glenn Heffernan. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, th- thanks for your time, Glenn. You know, some of the data that you gathered and you know we've we've shared and talked about it, but it's great to have you on and and kind of pick your brain about some of the stuff how how it all came about and uh you know it's just some re- very valuable information for people to see so um this this actually goes back a number of years when um junior hockey had a much bigger presence in usa and it was a lot more tier 2a and b kind of structure they had a grant program 
that there was about $150,000. It started out, I think it grew to three fifty or something like that. But it was it would be for the leagues that developed um, Division One, Division Three, NCAA players, and and NHL players. And you'd have to show when they played, and so it always involved a lot of research and having to get rosters. And you know, pre-internet, it was next to impossible to do it. And then obviously once. Once it got a little bit more sophisticated, it was easier so you could start identifying your players because, and I think you guys know, a commit is not the same as an admit, and that all changes, right? So, um, you know, you think your guys are going, but you're not sure. So you actually have to wait to see when they hit the roster. So I've been, uh, you know, I've been doing this for probably, I started doing it probably 20 some odd years ago because we had to do it for USA Hockey's Junior Council. For our league, I was president of the Met and the AJ uh, at the time, so we had to, get, you know, develop these reports, and the, you know, and then it starts getting more interesting, and because you have to look at number of years they played in your league, and you know their veteran status, and did they go from your league to the NA to the USHL? Because then they're going to claim them too. So they did it on a point system, and then I started sharing that information, and people were like, "Wow, this is this is really insightful to know." Um, how it all started going. So the last few years, I've really been dedicating it, getting a little bit more granular about, you know, what districts they're coming from. The birth month report has really got a lot of people going, holy smoke. And what's really interesting about that portion of it is if you look at the CDC data about when births happen in our country, most of the births are happening between July to October. Mm -hmm. So, and yet they're still underrepresented when you look at the rest of the calendar year in terms of when player, you know, the, the age of players, when they, you know, when their birth month, if you're January, February, March, April, you're in a much better position than a kid, you know, let's say, you know, October, November, December. Right. And, you know, we've tried years ago, if you remember when you guys played, it was probably that way where we had that shift where there was a period of time where the birth year was started July one. Yeah. And, and then I think, you know, and that whole notion was, well, we want to make sure we're, we're not losing out on any players that would develop later. And the reality is if I'm a, you know, if I'm a 2001 birth year and I'm born in December, you're still going to be older than me if you were born in January. So I think that's part of the reason why we changed it back because it didn't have the impact uh, they thought it would have in the player development camps. So that's been an interesting one. Um, Glenn, can I um can I just ask you quickly and and I, I have to apologize. Is it Hefferin or I, I think I threw an extra N in there? <laughs> well, you and Lou Vero, he he actually calls me Hefferman. <laughs> Hefferman, oh, he throws an N. Okay, we N. know we know a couple Hefferins up from the Boston area, so that's why I was I, I yeah, guess so I was throwing. I, either Heffern. that or I think who was that? That was that that show. Um, John Hefferin. Or, uh, yeah, John Heffernan, but also that show with Kevin James. I think he was Doug Heffernan. The uh, okay. he was like a UPS driver, so that's where I throw that out there too. Um, but Lou, yeah, Louis Vero calls me Heff. He doesn't even call me Glenn. He just calls me Hefferman, uh, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, he calls me other things too. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's one of the best. Oh, yeah, that's good. he's awesome. But Glenn, to uh, to 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 discuss quickly about the. Um, you know, the ages, have you seen, you know, like you said, you've been doing this for 20 plus years. So, you know, when Mots and I were going through school, right, you had predominantly kids going directly from prep school here in New England or, you know, Catholic schools where public high schools. I mean, I played with plenty of kids that, that were at public school kids. Um, 
but the ages and that shift, like how much have you seen that, that, I mean, it's been a big change and I guess, when did that start? I, I actually think a lot of it started to shift at the advent of the NTDP. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a lot of controversy uh, around that because it was costing so much money. But I don't think people understand the impact that it had. If you guys remember, go back 30 years and look at the Division One rosters from 30 years ago. It was two-thirds Canadian player, one-third American player. And now it's the reverse. And I think a lot of that has to do with the advent of the NTDP, you know, Jeff Jackson came in and created a lot of very stringent guidelines on how they would train. And I mean, he had a boxing gym, which was unheard of. Yeah, I most remember people, seeing that. Yeah. Most people don't even realize the NTDP's first year, they played a split schedule between the OHL and the USHL. They actually had a better record against the OHL than they did the USHL. Now, part of that is the USHL was a, a 19, 20 year old league. I mean, if you were playing for Bob Ferguson in Des Moines, you had to be one day away from being ineligible. That's, <laughs> that's basically what it took to make Bob's team. You know, he had, you know, great teams and, and, you know, but I think what happened was the, the standard changed and the NTDP was a big part of that. And I think the USHL grabbed on and said, you know what, we're going to get younger. We're going to get the best talent. And I think that, that began the shift. And I think, I think in part tier three, you know, however you want to call it, the East Coast tuition-based junior hockey, which I think had been doing a really good job for a stretch of time there, um, you know, developing players going back from what I can remember, like guys like Mark Eaton and Rob Scuderi and, and players mm -hmm. like that from down here, Chris Sorello, who's now coaches in the EHL, you know, Peter Masters' teams at the Bruins were always really good, Sean Trombley's teams. And they were legitimately developing players that would advance on. And then I think that dynamic changed from a cost standpoint. And, and then the North American League grew. The USHL added a few more teams. And it just – and the BCHL exploded as a league. Like that, people tell me that that was a place where, you know, college coaches would look to hide guys to kind of keep them off the radar. And then all of a sudden it just became a phenomenal league. Well, UNH had a – I mean, I had a ton of teammates that, that – you know, played out in that BC league and it was guys, you know, especially being a new England kid, you never even heard of. And then you get, you know, you think of the Darren Haydows and Jason Croggs and, and, you know, the Derek Hemingways Becker. and Lanny Gears, Derek Becker's like, they, they had a great pipeline out there and it was, it was an yes. untapped resource for, you know, they kept it under, under wraps <laughs> for sure. Oh, they, they did. And, and obviously because they felt like if a kid landed in the USHL, well, that's a bigger stage and exposing exposing them to other you know other schools, CCHA and WCHA. So I think that was the the advent of NTDP began that shift in the quality approach to, to hockey, where where teams started realizing that it is all about training and developing and skills, and, and I think that was a good shift. No, I think you nailed it um, on the head there, Glenn, with that the shift in the landscape, um, you know, just going through. And I think the USHL has done a very good job at becoming more of a developmental league. But in your opinion, could you, could you rank those leagues according, you know, to, you know, maybe say skill level or like, I mean, we could even go into some of the stats that you have. Um, I, I, I would say that the, you know, obviously I think the USHL, their numbers prove out the data shows that they are from the, from it being the, the most, uh, the biggest finishing school, if you will, before a kid enters college. So they have the most numbers. 
Um, but there's also a lot of NA players that were in their kids that are that the last team was USHL, but the year before they were in the NA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the NA has done a remarkable job at, at saying, you know what, we're going to help be a feeder and and work and have relationships with the USHL teams. And and I think that, you know, I think BCHL and, and NA are probably neck and neck numbers wise. But I think what everybody kind of loses sight of is that every step of the journey is really it's it's all part of building blocks. And so, yeah, it's it's easy to take a look and say, well, the NA and the USHL should get all this credit. But the reality is where they played as Peewees and Bantams and sorry about that, uh, Peewees and Bantams. You know those sounds. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, you know, it, it all matters. It's all part of the development process. And, and if we can just maybe get parents to kind of lose the FOMO and, and just enjoy each moment of the journey. When I, you know, when I hear conversations, you know, as an affiliate president, you hear these things, you know, people talking about where they're going to play next year in November, mm-hmm. focus on where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just so much, there's so much anxiety in it. You look at the raw number, there's on average 500 division one freshmen every year. Pat, Pat LaFontaine told me, a number a while back, so I think it's probably shifted upward a little bit. But there's only been about 8,800 NHL players ever that would qualify under rookie status. So that's 10 games or more. 8,800 in 103 years. Do the math, folks. It's hard to get there. So enjoy the journey. There was something else that stood out to me, and this came from a couple of local players. Remember the Privateras, Alex and Jared? They mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they were at Vermont. I think they were at uh, with. Um, when Kevin Patrick was there. And I think it was Jared who said to me, F, it's a job. It's hard work to be a Division One athlete. This is, I mean, yeah, there are days that it's fun, but it's really hard, hard work to do this grind every day because you're doing it. It's not, it's not just the season. It's the whole year. You're in it the whole year. You have to be dedicated to being a great athlete. It's a full-time job. Yeah, you know, time, time management with academics, and you know, getting yourself into elite shape, getting ready, and you know, it is it is a full time job, and you know, all the kids want to do it, but sometimes they don't see what goes in behind the scenes. So that's good, uh, good advice from. A player, and, you know. and the differences are are like this, mm-hmm. you know, between a kid who makes it, and you know, you see a lot of overcommitting by some of these schools and some kids that you know they never. They may see a minute of time until maybe their junior year, if at all. And and so it just has to have some reality to it. Like you should be playing because you enjoy it because it's fun at whatever the level is, wherever you land college wise. So I think I do this really to kind of illustrate, you know, where it's happening. And it is, a you know, the, the um, freshman class by district and the performance ratio. Um, people ask a lot of questions about that column. It's the last column on. And it says division one performance to player ratio and Michigan this past year is at 192% down in Minnesota is at 172. And that basically means that based upon their total percentage of players and the number of players that are division one freshmen, Michigan is outperforming by 192% compared to all other, all other districts, Atlantic, you know, we're at 120%. Um, I mean, not, anytime you get a player that, that sees that that uh, that freshman year as a Division One player is a great thing, but it's to help guide you know people to understand where players are developing. And I think the one 
thing that really stood out to me because um, a couple of people came after me after this last uh, freshman report and they were like, yeah, but you're forgetting where these kids actually develop. There's a lot more prep school and high school and midget players that are getting the commitments at that time when they're in those programs. I said, I'm not so sure about this. Well, you haven't done the, you haven't done the report. So how do you know? And I said, well, okay, then I'll do the report. (laughs) I did it. And, you know, as you can see, 75% of the kids are in, are in junior programs. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch that are mixed in between youth and prep school and high school and, and, and so on. But 90% of the kids are not living at home when they get their commitment. Yeah. That was an interesting stat. That was. And so, you know, is it, it and, and half of those, almost half of those that are living at home are Minnesota high school kids. That's right. I saw that. So, you know, and they do an unbelievable job. I mean, like I, I always brag about that. I have a lot of friends in, in Minnesota hockey. I, when I started the Bismarck Bobcats back in 97, I, I built some really good relationships with people in Minnesota and really started to analyze what they do. And they're all strictly town-based programming and and what's interesting is it's like uh it's like a cult with high school hockey so like if you if you're and don't even think of not playing for your high school team you know like it's just not gonna happen um and so like they their approach to it being town-based and of course they've eight thousand you know you you can hit a rink with you know a three iron from your house you know in every single town so they have a lot of advantages there but they're they're doing it at girls hockey and and in youth and and they're just crushing it at Division One and Division Three and NHL. Right. Just yeah, I, I don't think that model is gonna kind of spread elsewhere because it's changed so much. But they're holding true to their kind of roots of development in the community, and it's it's proving you know that it is successful. You know, so usually you know success is copycatted throughout you know whatever model it may be, but doesn't seem like it's uh you know kind of spreading to other areas it's everyone's kind of jumping and and i think i think every one of our guest smarts that we've had on that have been minnesota guys have been multi-sport athletes in high school Mm -hmm. right guys that played you know football i mean paul martin talked about playing basketball and everything all the way (laughs) all the way up and maybe his freshman year did he say yeah, I you know I thought he didn't play hockey his freshman year, but it was up until he didn't play eighth grade. Eighth grade, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, which is but but like you said, it's 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 a very tough time. But I think, like you said, a lot of it. Um, and and I want to talk about this because I see I, I talked to a local scout recently, and he was telling me that even kids that are leaving prep school, and they may even be committed kids, they're leaving early, like forfeiting their senior. They're not having the success in the USHL that they, you know, would have thought that they would have. And it's like, my thought is, why wouldn't you just play it out, graduate, play your senior year, have fun, finish that high school experience, get that, you know, diploma from whatever private school you're at. And then you're going to have to go play two years of juniors or a year of juniors regardless. Like, why wouldn't, you know, but you, you said it earlier, like that that FOMO, like, oh, I have to get to the USHL. And it's like, what if you go to the USHL or, or the BCHL, whatever, and like, you know, your game kind of, it, it it's it's challenging and like you know next thing you know it's christmas time and you got one goal and one assist and it's like oh boy now i run the risk of not even you know yeah i committed to a school but i might not even end up there right you you just said you just said a word about um uh, th- there's an, an a, a thing about being challenged 
Mm-hmm. You, you use that word challenge. And I get this all That's the time. because I am challenged. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I get this all the time about Claire, you know, parents that talk. And I do a little bit of advising. I do it just for fun. I'm not, I don't do it to make money. I do it because people want information and they need guidance. So I'm always happy to do it. And and they say, well, I want my kid to be challenged. You know, I, I don't I don't want him being a first line player. And I'm thinking, you're you're telling your kid you don't want him to be the leader. Yeah. How often kids don't get to be the leader? There's only a handful of leaders on teams that, that are the go-to player. You want your kid to be have that opportunity. If it's age appropriate, look. If it's ridiculously separate, oh, you know, there's a big separation of talent. Different story. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I mean, you look at Gretzky, and the the you know that's the, that's the standard that everybody uses. But look what he was doing as a peewee and as a bantamant. And it was perfectly okay. I mean, he didn't play up until he was 16. So, so to me, like that's to, to be challenged, being a leader is being challenged when you have to be the go-to player and too many parents want to shy their kid away from that. And, and I think, and I think that's wrong. I think they, I think you want to take that path. Um, I, I listened to John Cooper at a level five uh, symposium and he said, parents embrace adversity embrace it it's okay when you know you if if you think it's not challenging enough or just go with the flow don't have that fomo and you know take the opportunities as they come and be in the moment and i think i think that's what gets lost today there's too much of that well i got to be with the next best group of players and we've talked about that quite a bit on the podcast but jerry york uh would have the guy that did not read the best uh, read a little children's book and it was the precious present and it's just about staying in the present and being you know kind of just aware of your surroundings and, and taking in all the experiences and it's just like a small little detail that you know he was very smart with like kind of motivating people you know and players through psychology and he uh you know he would have the guys read and we'd be laughing at him because he would stumble over some words but the message itself you know it, it rings true to to all these parents and, and players that are looking at the next step without enjoying the, the process and the journey. I, um, I don't know if you're familiar with masterclass, oh, uh, yeah. but coach K has got a, a masterclass on it. And I just listened to the whole thing and I'm not going to remember the player it was one of his best players and they had won a chance. They had won their championship and he was interning at a PR firm. The, his player was interning at a PR firm for the summer, summer job. And he coach K called him. And, and wanted an answer to, she says, listen, it's really kind of an important question. Are you ready to be next year to be the, you know, the player of the year and win another championship? And he says, well, coach, and coach hung up on him. And he called him back the next day, same thing. And same question, he says, well, well, coach, hung up on him again. By the third day, he's, coach, I'm ready to be the best best player of the year and we're going to win another championship because that's the answer I was looking for. I mean, this guy filmed his players on the bench to see their reaction to how, how are they reacting as plays were happening in game and, and were, were they into it and body language and, and, you know, you talk about Bobby Hurley's body language, how early on he's used, look at his body language. It was awful. And, you know, just on every call and every non-call, you know, and, and so learning from other coaches, I think, is is really big. But it was fascinating to hear how that how coaches at his level get so much into the psyche of players and and how important. I mean, kicking them out of practice and, you know, it's pretty interesting stuff. So 
Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Glenn, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Obviously, we'll you know keep up the good work on on Twitter and putting out those stats. It's given us a ton of uh, content to talk about and go back and forth with. I want to shout out your your Twitter handle here. So it's at a a h a Glenn G L E N N, and that's again on Twitter. So make sure you guys are following Glenn on Twitter. Uh, it's a, it's great. And, and, you know, the, all these stats, everything Mots have been really, really helpful for us and, and trying to, you know, educate people and slow down the process. Right. Like that's kind of what we're, we're all about here. Yeah. I think your content has been great and, you know, the data and the work that you put in. So we'll be reposting everything that, you know, every report that you, you bring out, but it also does help kind of, you know, kind of sort through the, uh, the landscape of the junior leagues and, and seeing, that's why when I asked, you know, some of these people are like, oh, you know, USHL or, you know, you know, if they're not national program players and just kind of that trickle down effect. But I like your answer about everything's a building block and you don't have to rush the process. And it's not just about getting into a league, but these stats really do help support a lot of decision making uh, that people will have in the future. So we really appreciate the effort and, and the time. I, I appreciate it. I have one message. I, I, I tell the players that, and families that reach out, like, do your, like, even if you know where you're going to land, like if you're looking at D3, is that's where you're going to be, do your homework and find out who, who's got work for you. Like if you're a goaltender, see who those senior goaltenders are or try mm-hmm. to match it up so you know. And so many, like I asked, have you been to a D3 game? And they've been really, I mean, yeah. from when I came out, you know, to now they're right. amazing. Right. It's it's amazing. Like, hey, you want to play D3 hockey or you're eyeing D1 and you've never been to a game yet and you're playing AAA hockey. Mm-hmm. So like, it's it's really knowing what and, and I think coaches want to know you're genuinely interested in their school, mm-hmm. not just, you know, don't wait for somebody to say, hey, kid, we like you and we're going to commit to you. Go find out the school that's right for you, because that's the education is what's going to matter. That's Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Glenn. And uh, we'll we'll hope to chat with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you. That interview with Glenn was brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. We're in a purchase market right now. Devo and the team at Cross Country Mortgage have options and strategies to provide buyers with lower monthly payments. It's a great time to buy a home, especially if you're renting. So it's time to for you to give you give our boy Devo a call and chat about why home ownership makes sense. Again, it's a purchase market and a great time to buy. Give him a follow on Instagram at ChrisDevonCCM for more information. Website, ChrisDevon.com, where you can schedule a time for a call with him. Cross Country Mortgage, LLC, NMLS, 47305. Yeah, Devo's a good man. He was at the ranks uh, throughout the season, so it was always a pleasure to catch up with him. But he, he and his team will take care of you, so make sure you check him out at chrisdevin.com and give him a follow at chrisdevinccm on Instagram. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, Mots, what do you say? It's time to dip into the old mailbag here? Yeah, let's dip in. Let's dip in. Uh, it is a mailbag episode, so here we go. Um, 
All right. Hey, Shrinks, big fan of the show. Thanks for all your insights. Keep it up. What's the best way to approach an organization when tryouts are coming and there is no coach for a team? It's very frustrating going to tryouts and there is no coach for my son's 10U team. The current coaches are moving up. Um, more or less, I don't want to read everything. It's from Bobby in Connecticut. I'm trying to dumb this down, but that's basically the moral of it. Mots, what, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, does he, well, I does think- he look elsewhere? What do you think? Yeah, you know, I just I think it's kind of a tough situation for parents and players. You know, the organization should do a better job at putting a, a coach in place before tryouts. Yeah. So there's a, a level of comfort going into tryouts, knowing, you know, because we always talk about it. You know, you want to you want to know who the coach is, and if you're going to move to kind of have an idea who and what he the philosophy is of that coach, and if it kind of aligns with your kid and. And what you guys want want to um, kind of accomplish? So, I think that's a frustrating thing. I just i I don't know about. I think he could just stay the course at this age um, at U ten. You know, it's still more of a developmental. You know, they'll hopefully put someone in place there that has a good handle on that age group when they're working on their skills, age appropriate kind of not you know practices practice plans and then letting the kids play so um as far as you know reaching out maybe you can reach out to the you know organization and and keep checking in and and voice your concerns there because that's what something i would do if if i was in your position bobby yeah i mean Mots, i think honestly i don't think he's being irrational at all i i think you know we stress all the time that that coaching is very important especially at that age um I, you know, if they don't have a coach by tryout time, like, and there's better options out there, or you can go to another program potentially that may have really good coaching, like I would follow the good coaching, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a tough spot to be in. I think the organization as a whole needs to name a coach like yesterday, because again, you know, what if the guy that they named the coach basically has no coaching experience yeah. or he's a farmer or he's like, you know, whatever, like who knows what he, what, what this guy's been doing. Maybe he's the guy's a, a complete lunatic. You know what I mean? You, again, I'm just throwing out different scenarios. So it's, you know, what if they kind of suck you in, you sign a contract, decide to play, and then they name a coach after the fact and you realize like, Oh my God, this, this person's yeah. not going to be a good Disaster. fit. So yeah. I would I would shop around. I would talk to the organization and and see what they have. I don't think it's being you know like I said rational by any means to to say hey like talk to your organization say we're, we're looking elsewhere here like you you haven't named a coach we've had a good experience but mm-hmm. if you don't find a good hockey guy a good coach by tryout time like you got to do what's best for your kid. Yeah, and I don't think you're burning any br- bridges by any means. You just be honest and you know, explain the situation and, you know, you want what's best for your son. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that's, that's a problem at all. But yeah. Agreed. Much. You got the next one. Yeah. Hey shrinks. What's up with the coaches who quote unquote work the ref in youth hockey. They argue for calls all game until they get them and the refs are young and impressionable enough that they start calling the game the wrong way. How do we stop this? Some of these coaches are embarrassing in how they try to sway the game. And this is coming from some coach. <laughs> some coach. Some coach. Uh, some coach. I think it is embarrassing. I can't stand when 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 other coaches do that and they work the raft and they're up and down them. They're calling and every every 
time somebody falls down, it's a, oh, it's a penalty or every offsides or every time that you, like they're raising the hand. I hate the hand raise guys like constantly. You know what I mean? I can, I get it once in a while, but mm-hmm. the hand rain guy, hand rain guys for a pen, hand raise guys for a penalty or an offsides, like enough is enough. Just coach your team, coach your kids, stop working the refs. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And you know, it is a part of what happens because the, they are young and impressionable, but some refs will turn, you know, flip the script and and go the other way with it, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. go against the guy that's being vocal. Um, that, that's what you usually hope, and you kind of have a rapport with a without having any conversation with the, the ref because right. you're staying off them. So how do we stop it? I, it's very difficult. I mean, I don't think there's a way that you can control certain people, but. You know, we just hope that the rep has a handle on the game, even though that's not always the case. Um, so it's going to happen, and it, when it does, you can't overreact if you're on the opposing side. Um, you just coach the way that so you should. So how about, Mott, somebody brought this to us, and we don't need to reveal it, but their idea of let's mic up the referees. Like yeah. us, the rank shrinks, let's mic up the referees and let these coaches – like play it back for him. We'll put it out on social media, everything, and be like, "This is what you sound like. You're a donkey." <laughs> I, I think it would be uh, like co- content gold. It really would be. So coaches, like, be aware that we're gonna start miking up refs. So every time it's gonna be like a permanent hot mic, right? Every <laughs> time that the 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 referee goes over to the, you know, to call a penalty or whatever, like they do in the NHL, like. Every time I skate by you, every time you 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 say something to me, just letting you know you're being recorded. Everything's recorded anyway, so there it is. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. You know, be unbelievable. Would, yeah, it would yeah. get the coaches to stop and and think of the parents. Yeah, there you go. I, I think that's one way one one of the ring shrinks ideas on yeah. how we get this to stop. Like so it. let's any referees out there. I'm putting this out there to you uh, that want to be mic'd up. Let us know. I don't know if we have to check with anybody. Uh, you know, we can we could we can make some phone calls and see if we can make that happen, though. Yeah. Why not? Like, it's like Big Brother. You know, yeah. In the back pocket. You know. I love it. I love it. Um, all right, Jersey Shore. You got the next one here. Yes, sir, boys. I do have the next one. So the next one is: What advice would you give for a family slash player with a with AAA aspirations in a non traditional hockey market who is considering a move to a traditional market? to reduce the costs and increase the exposure for their player. Thanks, fellas. Southern Hockey Dad. And is this everything. talking about uprooting the family and kind of moving to, to you know, to New England or Michigan or wherever it may be? Yeah. Is yeah. that how you're reading this? Yes. I mean, yeah, it depends so, on the age kind of, right? Yeah, it depends on the age. But, you know, like you, you've had some experience with that non-traditional market and those mm-hmm. expenses are real in the yep. commitment to travel and, um, you know, it, you can sacrifice, you know, sacrificing school to leave for a tournament or whatnot. Like, you know, better than I for, you know, yeah. how it's kind of set up, but I don't know, you know, it, it is, it is a kind of a tough decision, but if you have the flexibility with, you know, your job as a parent and you can, you can move to a traditional hockey market, it would just limit some of that headache that you would yeah. have to endure in say the South. So, right. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I mean, I would be for it if you know if, if the scenario is right for the family. Yeah, I, I agree, and I've you know I've seen. I, I think at the younger age groups, like I said, it depends on the age group. At the at the younger age groups, I think these teams, especially the you know, I think of like the Florida Alliance and some of these different programs from um, you know the Dallas Junior Stars, like California. You know, I played uh, two teams from California recently. At the, I mean, these kids were or eleven, twelve year olds, but. You know, I guess I, I, you know, so those teams are getting out there and they're getting really good games and competition. They're they're committed to it and they're getting a lot of travel. I would say that once they get to that, you know, that 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 middle school, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you know, if you can do it and you can, like you said, um, you know, financially afford it and you you know job flexibility and things like that, I wouldn't shy away from it i think you, you you're definitely putting yourself in a good position to get that type of exposure if you're moving up to the area uh and then you know i've dealt with a you know i talked about it a lot but the atlanta fire program that that i worked with we used to send and still do there's a ton of kids from atlanta and you're seeing it on division one rosters all over the country that yeah. are coming up to the new england area mots i know you coached you know, Nolan Davis and, and and some of those guys too, right? So it's like, you know, kids are coming up for prep school, for high school, whether it's junior hockey and, and you know, kind of moving up and taking that route, getting out of the Southern market and going uh, into a, a traditional prep school. Yeah, there's been a few that uh, I coached in the split season, one from uh, North Carolina, one from Atlanta. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they chose that route and they really – you know, happy with the decision. But like prior to that, you know, this is kind of what I'm I think in the Southern data is talking about trying to make that decision to move to a traditional market before, you know, that high school age group. So that's where I'm reading it. Um, yeah. And I agree if, if it works for the family and you can make it work, you know, cause there are definitely uh, more advantages, less headaches. And um, you know, you get a little bit more exposure if you're going to a few more, uh, you know, tournaments consistently in the area. All right. Um, all right. We got, uh, do we want to call on, we got a couple new interns here, um, Alan and, and Emmett, uh, otherwise known as Billy and Nikki. So let's, let's let these guys jump in the mix here and, and see what their reading skills are like. <laughs> Billy, Billy, let's see, let's see what that Salisbury education did for you, kid. Hey, shrinks. I have one for you. I coach an 09 AAA team. One of my kids has everything. Great skater, incredible hands, shoots like an 18-year-old. He has great attitude, coachable, is like our team captain, but he's overweight. He's probably 5'8", 180, 190 pounds. If he loses weight, is it crossing the line to sit down with him and his dad and say he needs to lose weight this summer? I will provide workouts and diet changes, et cetera. The quickness is catching up to him, and it can only help. But I'm sh- not sure where the line is. Please let me know if you guys have any thoughts, Coach Billy. This w- Billy, this wasn't about you as a kid, was it? <laughs> Sorry, sweating though. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Moss, what do you got? Oh nine, yeah. So <clears throat> it is kind of a sensitive topic, but I also feel that. You know, if it's going to help the player, um, you know, there are, there's a ton of education. It's not just like, hey, lose weight. 
you know, you can give them ideas as long as you talk to the parents and, and say, this you, is kind of my show up approach. with a, with a sauna suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those fat coats. Yeah, hey, yeah. This underneath your, uh, big yeah. yeah. Um, you, you know, so I, I think, you know, so he has a lot of great attributes, right? Good attitude, coachable, you know, sounds like he's a really good person, good team, good team player with some good skills, but that next step, you know, as a coach, TJ is talking about here is that quickness and he's going to get faster if he, if he sheds some weight, you know, so just the education, maybe you can, you can point him in the right direction. You could have some, you know, workouts and diet changes, et cetera. So that's, I think that is absolutely fine. I would just clear it with the parents and, and just have a conversation on kind of just more education based. And then it's up to the player to kind of take to it and, he sees some results and then sees some results on the ice he's going to definitely take to it and you, you're only you're only helping him in my way in my opinion in my opinion too coach tj who said this coach uh coach tj yeah so i wouldn't i would have the conversations about dieting and 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 you know, fitness and off-ice workouts, things like that, like eating the right way with the entire group. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, like, these kids are 09s. Like, you're going to see a drastic change in this kid's body in the next year, I think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, like, this is kind of the, that that awkward age group where these kids are going through puberty and things like that. Like, you're going to see, and I've seen it with so many kids, all of a sudden at, at 12, 13 years old, another year, it's like, oh my God, it looks like a completely different person, right? He's like thinned out, he's hit puberty. It's like, oh, what have you been doing? Nothing, nothing. like nothing's yeah, yeah. changed. Right. You know what I mean? No, um, that's a good point. Like you've just, now your body's actually like, you know, again, you've you've hit puberty and now it's like, oh wow, this kid went from a porca and now the kid's like in really good shape and looks great and and, and whatever. I've seen it. A million times with hockey players, baseball players. I'll never forget watching, uh, you know, one of my guys play baseball against a kid that was like 13. And I'm like, oh, wow, that kid. I'm like, who is that kid? You know what I mean? Because he was like, you know, a a really good athlete, but kind of a a stocky kid and everything. A year later, it was like, I'm like, looked like a completely different person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he just sprouted up, hit his growth spurt, like trim, fit. Like it was night and day. So I wouldn't really like you know, I, I would educate the whole group on it, but I wouldn't, I think it may be crossing a little bit of line, be like, Hey, you, your kids got to lay off the donuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, uh, I, lo- I like that approach, you know, overall. Um, but if this is kind of, kind of dedicated, you know, this question is dedicated to this player, you know, you can kind of broad stroke it with the group and, and, you know, say this is kind of where you can start, you know, gaining an, another edge on the ice. And then if you do have a, a conversation with the parents and it's not dieting, it's just more, you know, knowing what's going on in your body and, and it's all just health driven. Right. So again, I don't think there's no problem with it. Um, but I, I like your approach. BY. If TJ wants to uh, send you and I a couple of those workouts and diet chain changes, <laughs> yeah. dude, send those to us, TJ, not the kid. We need it. <laughs> <laughs> we need them. Those two turkey sandwiches I had for lunch right now are feeling great. <laughs> a little gut bombs. 
Uh, all right. What do you say, Alan? Let's go. Actually, we got an ad read here. I'll bang this out. Um, it's a great time to visit our guys at TSR Hockey in tax-free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can stock up on all your equipment needs for the remainder of the season. TSR stocks team apparel from CCM and Bauer and does everything in-house, embroidering and printing. You can reach their team store at 603-912-5970. Ask for Mike or Dave, and they will take care of you. Now is the time to give them a buzz and talk about how your team can upgrade your gear wear and swag game. TSR Hockey is New England's premier hockey store and is proud sponsor of the Ring Shrinks. Visit TSRHockey.com today for all your sh- shopping needs and tell them the shrink sent you. Yeah, this is the time to make sure your team's outfitted with the best gear. TSR Hockey, the boys up there in Salem, New Hampshire, tax-free. Salem, New Hampshire will take care of all your team's needs, so make sure you check them out and tell them the Ring sh- sent you. Yeah. All right, Alan. Coming in AKA, out of the bullpen from north of the border. North of the border, a.k.a. Alan, a.k.a. Nikki. Here we go. Dealing with a new situation, U14AA, our team is about to compete in a three-game series to go to nationals. One player on our team is insanely skilled but has trouble controlling his emotions and is negative on the bench. We lost a heated game in the tournament that knocked us from the championship. I tell our team to hang Hang at the hang hang at the bench as there there is only one exit where the teams could collide during the time he's he's talking he's talking crap to the other players <laughs> essentially hulking out push uh, pushing through me to the exit to exit the ice uh, to continue to talk crap we ripped we ripped them in the locker room and planned to sit him in the in the next game but wanted to wait until tomorrow to tell him I told his mom who was not there that we were sitting him. She was upset and compares this situation to other kids, which is crazy because I have sat multiple kids this season for various reasons from not holding up their, to, to their end of the, to their schoolwork, to, to acting inappropriately. Regardless, uh, I talked with the kid before the game and let him know, look, the team would love to have you play, but if you're going to act the way you have, I told him to watch, how your teammates play this game without you. The kids had so much fun and we won 6-1. Now I have parents asking to not have him play as he's a cancer. The The problem is we are a free program and we believe in the second chances. I plan on having him practice play in our non-league game this weekend. I'm pulling him aside and letting him know, one, I want him to apologize to his teammates because he let them down and they ha- they are starting to turn on him. As we were, as he was very popular in the locker room. Two, if he continues to be negative on the bench and not give effort, he will not play. If this kid plays and realizes he's not bigger than the team, we win easily. Without him, I think we still have a great sh- shot. So if he does, if he doesn't figure it out, I will roll with the with the players who care. Thoughts, Coach Youngblood. We we threw Allen right into the deep end. With Dude, a, a I was gonna say like. <laughs> Talk about Billy just big-timed him by giving him the long read, too, huh? Jeez, poor Alan. Good job, Alan. Alan, it's not easy, buddy. So, so what do you what do you think here? No, it's a tough situation, especially with being a free program. Um, you know, and and you do when we've talked about it, you do want to give kids second chances, right? And but they're fourteen years old. The kids got to know right from wrong. If he's if he's turning into a cancer and it's a problem in the locker room, then you know, Coach Dean Youngblood, like, 
he might have to find another team. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't want, you know, uh, a cancer can really ruin a group. And you saw how the team kind of rallied when, when he wasn't playing and, and, you know, went out and kicked the crap out of the other team six to one. So, you know, you gotta be, uh, you know, I do believe in second chances, but you know, so, so pulling a kid aside, having the conversation, letting them know, you know, these are the stipulations, but if you, you know, you want to have success in the future, you don't want, you know, one cancer weighing down the group. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it being an emotional game and some kids handle things a little differently. Um, but I have no time for, you know, being told to, to kind of cool off and, you know, hang back and then pushing through a coach. To yeah. That's, the ice. That, that's BS. Yeah. And then continue to, to, you know, run his mouth. And I just, there's that I have no tolerance for that. So I think, you know, Diener did a good job at kind of sitting him and, and ma- <laughs> making an example, but like he has done it. It wasn't like a one-off, you know, right. schoolwork, whatever. So just from, you know, this kind of description of events, I think that he has a good handle on approach to the game and how to kind of appropriately, you know, deal with the kids who are acting out and, right. you know, you know, the second chance thing is fine, but like, you know, I think you're handling it great um, as far as now. And if, if he is a light and popular person in the locker room, yeah, that means he's a good kid and he like, he's enjoyed it off the ice, but when you get him on the ice, he, he kind of turns into a different person. So I don't know. I just think you stay on him because, there are situations where some kids, you know, mature differently and you, you just stay the course on it. And I think you're doing a good job with that um, kind of approach yeah. right now. Oh, definitely. Definitely. All right, Moss. I think it's time for the My Hockey Rankings question of the week. Uh, this came right from the source, our guys at myhockeyrankings.com. Um, question. My son's team won states and qualified for nationals back in November. When will My Hockey Rankings add a flag next to their name? to show they have qualified for nationals. And the answer here, Mots, um, I can read it. Sure. My hockey rankings started adding the nationals icon next to team names as part of this week's updates. Qualifying teams from Minnesota, Massachusetts, and the Pacific District have been updated. The remaining district tournaments will be taking place this upcoming weekend and the following weekend. We will continue to, to monitor the district tournaments and update my hockey rankings accordingly. If your team has qualified for nationals, but you don't see an icon next to your team name, please email my hockey ranking at director at my So we can update our system. Best of luck to all teams in the playoff states, districts, and nationals. Enjoy the last few weeks of the 2022, 2023 season. That's that's right from the uh, source. So you know the the flag. It doesn't. I mean, does it really matter if the flag <laughs> is on next to your team? You know, you made it to national. <laughs> Sorry, I just I'm listening to the answer. And they're, they're, they're being like you made nice the nationals. What do, what do you care if I there's know, a flag next to your name? Yeah, uh, you know so. The uh, the group over at My Hockey Rankings did a nice job at being nice with that, but um, yeah. So I mean, just but if Mark you have a problem, I, we will not be. Yeah, e- email director at myhockeyrankings.com if there is any other questions on that. Um, but 
Cong- congratulations on making the nationals and in, yeah. in the flag. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, all right. I'll do this next one here. I think we'll do, you know, we got time for maybe one or two more mods. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey guys. Great show. I'm in year 22 of coaching hockey at the high school and double a level between Alaska and California. This, this season has one game remaining and I've received a couple quotes. My kid didn't get enough ice time text that I always try to avoid, but, but at the varsity and double a slash slash triple a level, it happens. These are not the craziest texts from a parent that I've received probably ranks number two, but this time the club president was also contact contacted for context. The games reference are at a president's day tournament varsity slash double a division, where we put together a tournament roster that included four players who didn't play for us this season. We played shorthanded all season and wanted to have a stronger, fast, uh, stronger roster for the final tournament tournament. We formed well, and our last two games were must-wins to make the championship. As a result, our best players saw more ice. We won our first game 4-3 to three and came up short 3-1 to one in the second. This player in question was only at two, uh, two games, games two and four of our tournament, of our games for the tournament. I didn't know he would be there for our last game. He is young and big and with good hands, and I see a lot of potential in him, but I knew his playing time could be impacted at the 18 level. And I communicated this to the player and parent at the start of the season. He should be playing 16s, but the club didn't have a 16 double a team to play on. And we felt it would benefit from playing and practicing with the better players. He's only, uh, he was only at 45% of the games and practices for the season due to asthma problems and um, came to two dryland sessions. We did two a weeks in September. As a result, he fell further and further behind and never showed up, showed any interest in putting in extra effort or work. The parent was always friendly and positive and never indicated to me um, there was ever a problem. Attached us some texts. Uh, we probably won't show those. Uh, sorry for the lengthy email, but I need to share this. Uh, so the question is, have you guys experienced anything like this? Uh, how would you move forward? All the best. And that's from Bill. I can summarize the, uh, the, the text mods. I don't know if you saw them. It's a lot of, you know, F you, how could you punish a kid for this? Uh, you brought in some extra kids and you know, my kid was here all season long, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you stink as a coach. This organization stinks. It was very, very, uh, I would say negative to say the least negative and personal. Yeah. 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 Well, Did you see him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as far as dagger <clears throat> shots. Yeah. As far as the uh, 16 playing up, and, you know, that dynamic is, is good in certain areas. This is through necessity. Um, you know, less than 50% of the games and practices throughout the season, you know, due to some, some issues, health issues. Um, and adding to the roster, because they played shorthanded most of the year is something that a coach always wants to do. You know, you don't want to play shorthanded. If you can add from, you know, I, I try to do it now when someone can't make it and you want to try and pull someone up instead of having, you know, 3D, 4D. It's, you know, if you have an extra player when you're playing against top level teams, it's very important to keep your energy level up and play the game the right way. So at the end of it, if your kid is the one, 
who isn't getting the ice time towards the end of the game when the game is on the line and he was on the team, but yet 50% of the time he wasn't there, you got to take a look at yourself in the mirror for sending those texts. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there is lay some... off, lay off the vino before you're sending them too. Yeah. Well, there is some, you know, merit well, what was on... that stuff you would, you, you had going up in uh, Vermont Miss piggy. Yeah. Lay off the miss piggy. So, yeah, we just, you know, I see it from the other side though, too. There is some merit there to, you know, hey, on the team and whatnot and should be provided a little bit more, maybe say, you know, shot it at that ice time. But in this situation, if this is how it went down, I, I would side on the, the coach for, you know, bolstering the, the, uh, the roster down the stretch run and just stick to your guns. I mean, the, you made the decision and uh, you stand in front of it. Right. Uh, you know, Mots, I, I definitely uh, I agree with everything that you said. And, and, and you know, you hate to kind of be so blunt with with something like this. Right. But maybe it's, you know, the, like I feel for this kid and, and, and Coach Bill talked about it, like he's a younger kid. He's kind of playing up a level. Um, he's battled some health issues. For, so I, I, I 100 percent feel for him. And maybe they're working through that. But maybe it's like maybe this isn't the right sport for him, too. The other thing is at this age group, like. You're 16, 17, 18, like the coach is going to put the best players on the ice. Like yeah. that's, that's the way it goes. Like that, that that's hockey. Mots, how many, how many times would, have you watched your kids and them not get out in the third period, you know, at the, at the older age groups, right. Or, or not play like that stuff happens at, 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 at big boy hockey as much as, you know, I don't encourage it and and I don't think it's the right way of doing it. But like, you know, similar to what you said is, you know, end of the games, different situations, power plays, penalty kills, like you're going to pick and choose coaches, pick and choose who they want on the ice. That's just, that's, that's, you know, coaching. Mid, that's coaching at 16, 17, 18 years old. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. You might not agree with it as a parent, but there's no way that the other thing that I would say to this, that as a parent, if your kid is 16, 17, 18 years old, you should never be texting or emailing a coach. Your kid should be talking to him. Exactly. Your kid should be talking to him. You're yeah. a big boy. Yeah. Down. Go in, coach. Can I sit down with you? Can we talk about this? You know what I mean? Hey, I'm going through a lot right now. I'm really sick. I'm, I apologize. I know I've been missing all these dry land sessions, but my asthma has been really kicking the crap out of me. You know what I mean? Like have those conversations, right? It shouldn't be coming from, you know, from Miss Piggy late night. Right. Absolutely agree. That's that's a great point. No. So right, get the um, next yeah, let's bang out Franklin real quick. Um, this mailbag, as always, we uh, we always appreciate our guys at Franklin Sports. So uh, Franklin Sports, the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out our line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com today. Obviously, they've been in the news a lot lately. Franklin Sports, they they launched the NHL street. Uh, that's going to be, you know, I, I get a look a little bit more into it. But NHL street hockey, they're going to be formulating leagues around the country, um, around the world, I, I think, possibly. I'd like to get uh, one of those guys over at, 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 you know, Franklin or NHL street involved and, and, and talk to him about this. Cause I think this is uh it's really good. They're bringing the fun back to street hockey and, and getting these kids out and playing and moving. Uh, it's very similar, I believe to like the NFL, um, 
the NFL's initiative with their the flag football. I can't think off the top of my head um, what's that's what that is exactly called. But I think this is really really great stuff. What Franklin's doing, street hockey is a game. Mots, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. It's so important to get these kids out playing and putting a little bit organization to it. You know, having the NHL teams backing it is is really really good stuff. So shout out to Franklin and, and those guys. They're doing really good things. Yeah, it's going to be a great partnership, you know, growing the game from a grassroots level. And um, you can check out franklinsports.com and, and get your uh, street hockey gear for yourself so you can be dangling in the driveway. And I just think it's great, you know, to introduce the game and, and grow the game from that from that level because that's all we played growing up. And I had a lot of Franklin gear uh, myself, you know, being right up the street. So it was um, a lot of driveway work with the Franklin Sports uh gear that i had so make sure you check them out at franklinsports.com i love it all right um guys i love the show as a parent who didn't grow up um playing the game it is a great resource so thank you my daughter is a 2011 AAA girls player and also plays on a co-ed bb team uh next season is our last at 12u and i was curious what your thoughts are on having girls play full contact hockey some say to keep your girls playing with the boys as long as possible. And some say to move them to girls once hitting starts. I'm curious of your guys' opinion. Thank you. Mots, I'd, I'd say this one's like right up your alley. Yeah. Uh, I can tell my experience from my experience quickly. Um, and then Mots, this is, this is, you know, this is in your, uh, you know, this is on a ladies tease for you speaking of, of which, but no, the four uh, tease. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, but most of the, the girls that I've coached in the past here in in uh, the Boston area, by the time they got to checking, having conversations with their their parents, they've always opted to go and play with the girls. So that's been my experience. I, I definitely have seen girls continue to play. Um, but from my experience and girls that I've coached, having that conversation with the parents, and it's it's always kind of come from the moms and dads um, who have the daughters because again it's not my kid, and they've said you know what once the checking starts we're going to move and and strictly play with the girls. Yeah, so the U twelve um, years, you know, the, the last year with no checking, right? So mm-hmm. when you're playing with the boys, and my daughter is in this same exact position. Um, so there you go. She. Um, you know, played with the boys for the town team with the boys, and then she's playing a girls team as well. So I've only seen, you know, maybe a handful max girls play checking. And these were girls that could handle the, the physicality. You know, you, you really do want, you know, protection and safety first of first and foremost, no matter how fast they can skate or skill level or what there's certain you know, differences in, in boys and girls, especially when you start checking because, you know, BYU and I lived it with the boys when they first started checking. They just – Oh, it's look, a, it still is a disaster, dude, um, and I'm almost a full year into it. Yeah, and you, they're just looking to, you know, rattle the glass and, you know, whatnot. And the girls can be very – and we talk about this a lot – very physical without the checking aspect of it where you can, you know, full ice, uh, open ice, you know, check. So – I would recommend moving to a, a girls only uh, for protection wise, unless your daughter is much bigger and stronger and faster than some of these kids going to the next level. But 
again, I've only seen less than a handful that have done it. And um, there's plenty of like really good girls leagues that I don't know where you are, but definitely around here, yeah, the, that the girls pro- tough, programs yeah. have really blown up and it's high level hockey um, with some physicality. So that that's just my opinion. I would say move uh, to girls only after U12. Yeah. No, I think good point. I, I mean, I think back to, um, you know, Casey Bellamy and stuff like, like they, they did play with the boys mm-hmm. um, all the way up. But I also think that girls hockey, when they came through compared to where it is to, today is much different. I think there's a, a heck of a lot more competition, not to say that, that her parents would have done it any differently. Right. But um, you know, and, and, you know, Megan Duggan as well. Right. I think that they both said the same thing that they played for the, with the boys for as long as they possibly could, maybe even into to high school and everything. But um, I think for the most part, you know, safety is, is, the key here. And I think you, like you said, much, you hit the nail on the head. They can get some really, really good competition at that U 14. If they're good players, being a 13 year old, the first year, yeah. basically uh bantam playing up, you know, so that's the thing about the girls. You have that two, that two years. So if you're like a superstar, you know, like a young, really good player, um, like I had one last year on my team, she, really, really good players. Now she's playing a year up basically like she's playing, against girls that that are 08s and 09s not just 09s like she was you know typically used to yeah no it's i know uh the shaughnessy girls one went to dartmouth one went to bu and you know yep. they played and but they you know big and strong and could handle the physicality but i still feel that for the majority for safety sake and development sake you know you're going to be if you're a good girls player and you're dominating you know, go for it you know yeah you know and have the puck on your stick and um but again that physicality is is real and that two-year age um you know gap you know kind of provides that level up for the first year coming out of u12 definitely definitely uh Mots, i think that pretty much wraps up the mailbag uh we don't want to go too too long here and obviously we had glenn on which was very insightful um i did want to hit on any uh any trade deadline moves that 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 you really like so far? Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday, so the deadline is Friday. But you see, more and more these trades are happening, um, you know, sooner rather than at the actual deadline, right? Yeah, no, so you can see the teams that are really loading up and kind of all all bought in for this year. A lot in the East, uh, Patrick Kane going to the Rangers, interesting. You know, I, I still think that they need something on the back end, but mm-hmm. you know, that's just me. And then. Um, one thing, like on a personal note, when you see the LA Kings ship, you know Jonathan Quick off after all he's done for the organization. I heard that uh, was a bad scene. Yeah, it just I just you know it's a business, but I mean I think they could have done you know a little bit better by him. You know, he, yeah, he, he did a lot winning cups there, and um, you know spending his whole career there and. I don't know, but it just it does go to show you, you know, if he can get assets for you and and you know for the future, then they're going to make the move. But I heard yeah, there's a business conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh that was that was tough. Um, the Bruins obviously a couple good moves and Olaf's paying off in dividends, right? Yeah, just right down. away, just just lighting the lamp a couple times. Yeah, we're talking about a guy that can play both right and left. He's comfortable on the right. I uh, made some really good plays in the Calgary game on his backhand. Makes mm-hmm. some really good subtle 
subtle plays to exit the zone, keep pucks alive in the offensive zone. He's comfortable on that side. Oh, you can play him on the on the left side on his strong side. You know, and he's putting up some points, but he's he's making that back end much better because he can play in all situations. And then Hathaway makes the front up up front a little deeper, a little more sandpaper, a little tougher to play against. I would have hated playing against that game. Oh, dude, <laughs> so, nightmare. Yeah, you know, just go away. Like if I hold the puck, just you know, swing by. Yeah, and he's going through every you don't time. Have to go through me every time. Stopping, putting, yeah. putting a glove in your face. Not enough to get a penalty, but to be annoying. Yeah, you know. It's all yeah, stuff. he's a guy that somebody's going to take like a spearing penalty against. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just a pest. Well, he just distracts you know plays from what they have to accomplish, and that loosens up the top six. And you know, he's a very valuable player. Yeah, you must be excited for the future alumni that they're bringing in. You know what I mean for those games when you'll be able to get those energy guys and play with them. Yeah, I'll be on um, the bench with them. <laughs> no, it's definitely some interesting moves. Obviously, Toronto going out and, and kind of getting you know um, Riley and Achari. Those guys. No, who did I say? O'Reilly. Yeah. yeah what did I say? Riley. Uh, O'Reilly and Achari right off the rip, and Tarasenko and. Kane and you know I, the undercover move that I I like out west is um, Eckholm from Nashville going yeah. out to Edmonton. I think he's gonna you know he's he's a very good like you know stay at home shutdown type D man, which I think they need. Obviously they lose Tyson Barry on the back end, but I think that team's got enough offense. Um, so yeah, it should be interesting. Obviously this is like crazy times and I'm sure that we, you know, since we've been recording for the past hour and a half, there's probably been, you know, five more different transactions that we've missed. So it is cool though. It's, it's fun time of year and the East is just an absolute beast. Yeah. I mean, some good teams are going to go home early. That's mm-hmm. all, you know, but it's a exciting time for, you know, youth hockey coming down the stretch here and also for the, you know, the NHL to watch some really good, you know, hockey after the trade deadline, guys, you know, giving their best efforts to get into the playoffs. Sometimes those sleepers are the dangerous ones that are playing well at the end of the season. So, so a lot of good storylines to watch. A lot of good hockey. 100%. Well, once again, thanks to everybody for submitting the mailbag questions. Obviously, we wouldn't uh, wouldn't be here without you guys. Thanks to uh, Glenn Hefferin. I said it right that time for, for jumping on with us and answering some questions. I thought that was really good. Um, you know, keep sh- we actually we put out Mott, some some kind of do's and don'ts on Instagram and Twitter coming into tryout time. So make sure you guys are following that stuff on Instagram at the Rink Shrinks and Twitter at Rink Shrinks and. Keep those questions rolling in. We'll get to them when we get to them. Obviously, we can only we can only you can only take our reading for so long, right? <laughs> yeah, we got you know a team behind us now. So I know that's good. We got Billy and Nikki. We're good to go. <laughs> good to go. New Jersey, uh, the mainstay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We got the talk about a tripod right there. <laughs> uh, but once again, thanks to everybody. Uh, remember to like and subscribe and follow. We uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we'll be back next week. So it's time to cue the Rink Shrink Shuffle, Jersey. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.